When was the last time you attended a slumber party with your girlfriends and discussed issues on your heart? If you're like me, it's been quite some time. Hi and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz and I welcome you to tonight's Mommy Jammies Night. This is a time for you and my friends from around the world to join us live. Put on a comfortable pair of pajamas, pull up a chair, and settle in with your favorite refreshment. And prepare to be blessed as I welcome tonight's guest. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome. I am so blessed to have you here today. And before we went live, I was reading off where people are calling from, and it's all over the U.S. So we just welcome those of you here. We welcome those who are live on the MommyJammiesNight.com website. Welcome to all of you. And so if you are here live, you are going to uh, get the coach, unlock our party favors, and we just want to uh, thank you for coming live. And also, uh, before we get started, I want to um, just give a shout out for those who, I'm not going to mention names, but who have messaged me privately and asked for prayers tonight, um, because they know that uh, tonight is, um, is is a special night, but every every uh, Mommy Jammies is really special. And you know that uh, we really have an amazing uh, prayer warrior team, and that's the moms that listen to these episodes. And so um, they're always such a blessing and uplifting. And so for those who um, ask me for some private uh, prayer requests, know that we are praying for you. We don't need to mention it because the Lord knows. Well, tonight I have a very special guest, and I have wanted to meet uh, this gal for quite some time, and we have a lot of mutual friends, but um, I don't travel a convention uh, trail, and and so that would be one of the ways I would meet um, her, unless she comes to Florida, and then I'll get to meet her. But um, tonight our very special guest is Linda Hobar. Welcome, Linda. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Linda, um, we have a lot of mutual friends, and one of them is uh, your publisher, which is Bright Ideas Press, and that's Maggie Hogan, who is a dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I spent some some uh, weekends at Maggie's house here in Florida, and she even came all the way up to Delaware when my daughter was in the World Series. So she lived ah. there, but she came up to see Annie play. I mean, what a sweet, what is that? That's like beyond the call of duty right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, just a, a sweet lady, and I know you love Bright Ideas um, as much as I do because they have, uh, you know, taken your wonderful books and um, and uh, just made them more wonderful if that's possible. So it's you know, I wouldn't be here done, without them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. You've done a wonderful job with those. And so, Linda is the author of the Mystery of History, and I am going to be pasting in a bunch of links. And if you are listening to this in the archives, whether it's iTunes or on Google Play, or you just downloaded it from the website to listen to later, um, in the show. Um, post where this audio resides all of her links will be there and i will go ahead and read some of these off to you because um there um you know there are quite a few i went and pulled uh you know all of the other ones and i i even followed your pinterest board i didn't realize i didn't follow your board uh linda you have so many wonderful things um but just go to mommyjammiesnight.com and look for are you a martha or a mary and you will find the audio with a bunch of links here so um, the first website is mysteryofhistory.com, 
And um, also, if you go to the mysteryofhistory.com, um, there is a section there that has all of Linda's social media, but she's got a great Pinterest board. She's on Google+, Plus, on Twitter, and um, and so those are, uh, you know, probably the main ones. And just look for, um, and it's the mystery of his um, for Pinterest. And it is Miss the, the with a th, which I kept forgetting when to write. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have the the in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm such a Mary. Um, so the <laughs> mystery of history on Facebook, you'll find it there as well, and um, and you'll get some great information from Linda. Well, Linda, are you are um, done with your homeschool journey? Is that right? Yes, yes. My children are grown. As a matter of fact, I'm a grandmother. My oldest one has an 18-month-old. Oh, well, congratulations. I'm a grandma many times over at this point. All all my oh. second oldest child, yes. And and uh, they were all here this weekend, so we had a lot of fun. It was um, one of my grandchildren's uh, birthday, and we were just going to buy a cake, which, of course, that would just be easier, right? But um, I, I had this cake floating around that I knew he would like, so we ended up making it. And I waited till they came here to decorate it, so we had a good time. It was really fun. Okay, well, let's get started now. I am going to sit back and uh, let you have the mic, and then I will be back at the end, and we'll take some uh, questions from the audience. Thank you, thank you. And we are learning a lot about each other because, for one, I would have guessed yes. I was a lot older than you, and now you've got me beat on grandkids, so we're going to have to do some more visiting. But thank you, and I'll get rolling here. Uh-huh. Well, good evening, everyone. I really am so glad that all of you were able to join us for Mary and Martha Decide to Homeschool. Now, the subtitle of this workshop is um, A Workshop for Marys Only. But I do suspect a few Marthas have snuck in here, maybe even a Lazarus or two, although I'm not sure if he would be in Jamie, so perhaps not. But regardless, all are welcome here because I think really most of us are a little bit of Mary and a little bit of Martha, though I promise that this session will be most helpful to Mary just because I am one through and through. And as may be obvious, if Mary and Martha homeschooled, well, Mary's clearly the one that needs help. Martha, she's the one who has it all together. She's organized to a fault. And Mary, I just think, well, she's really got a heart to teach her kids, but she is struggling to get it all done. Do I hear an amen? So I hope to give all the Marys who may be joining me here a few practical tips on getting things done and some encouragement for when you don't. And Martha, I am going to love on you too, whoever you may be out there, because Jesus loved Martha as much as he did Mary. He only fussed when she was sidetracked by her actual giftedness. We will come back to that. You know, I want to say too, um, as a self-proclaimed Mary, homeschooling was hard for me. I mean really hard. I was always battling my inadequacies. But I had one thing going for me, so be encouraged by this Mary's. I really loved my kids. I didn't love homeschooling. I would never claim that. But I loved my children, and that is what got me out of bed in the morning. Now, granted, the bed was probably unmade for the rest of the day, but I was out of it, and my feet were on the floor. So I hope you're smiling at that thought. Well, let's get started by first, I want to go straight to the scripture and look directly at what the Bible will tell us about these famous sisters. I'm not going to assume that everyone knows 
um, all there is to their story, we're given at least four glimpses of them in the Gospels. And I'm going to go to the most classic one first. So if you have your Bibles turned there, it would be Luke 10, 38 to 42. And if you're flipping, I'll say that again. That would be Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. Now, this is the one, and it's not too long, so I'm going to read it for you. This is the classic story we have of these sisters. It goes like this. Now, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, meaning Jesus, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. All right, I think you probably know something of that story, and we could certainly derive a lot about these two gals. Just from that alone, we have Martha being quite the hostess, Mary just, you know, puddled at Jesus' feet. But let me turn you now to John 11, and this is the story of what is going to happen to their brother, and it starts with verse 1, goes through 46. I won't read all of it because it's a little lengthy, but it's important you get a little bit more to see even more characteristics of the sisters. So here we go, John 11, starting with verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Jumping down um, to verse 3. Therefore the sisters sent to him, meaning Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Here's a great one. Um, Jesus, uh, in verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Isn't that awesome? I like that. So anyway, um, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now let me stop there. The reason Jesus is planning to stay and not jump to the girl's request is because he has a plan. I think you know the plan. He's going to allow Lazarus to die, to be buried, and then he's going to raise him, which is quite a miracle. But I just didn't want you to miss verse 5, where we hear clearly that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when we're moving further along in the story, let's go to, uh, again, John 11. I'm now in verse 17. So here's the rest of the story. When Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days, meaning Lazarus. So he allowed him to die. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Let me stop there for a second. Isn't it interesting that uh, Martha marches out there to meet him on the road, but Mary, what is she doing? She's just a mess. She's sitting in the house because I think she's paralyzed by her grief. Mary's very much led by her feelings, so she can't get up to meet the Lord. Let's keep reading. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I'm sorry, but I just kind of picture Martha wagging her finger at Jesus as she says these things. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, well, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then Jesus said to her, and listen carefully, 
He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord. I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, the reason I like that passage so much is that we have a grieving woman here. Her name is Martha. Her brother is dead. And she's wagging her finger at Jesus. But you know what he does? He trusts her with some incredibly deep theology. He tells her that he is the resurrection and the life. So no wonder he's fond of Martha. Martha is a smart gal, and he can trust her with this theology. (laughs) Let's look at what's going on with Mary. Um, Keep reading. It says, and when she had said these things... Talking about Martha, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. You know, let me stop there. I don't know why Martha told Mary this in secret. I'm not sure if Martha was just afraid that Mary was going to cause a scene, because maybe she causes a lot of scenes, um, if it was just going to be too much drama for Martha to handle, or if perhaps Martha was being sensitive here and just went and told her sister in secret. Because remember, her sister's kind of crumpled at the house in a puddle crying. But anyway, I think it's sweet that she says, the teacher is calling for you. Oh, how I'd love to hear those words if I were in grief. Well, anyway, let me keep reading. Verse 29, as soon as she heard that, meaning Mary, She arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews were with her in the house and comforting her. When they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her, saying she's going to the tomb to weep there. Weep there. By the way, this says to me that Mary has quite a support group. There are people gathered around her who love her. Perhaps they know she doesn't have it all together, and so they're just with her physically. Let me keep reading. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you know who just said those same words? Martha said those same words. But Martha, I think, just said it with a different attitude. Martha said it, I think, with her hand on her hip or wagging her finger at Jesus, like, well, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. But Mary says it in a heap of tears. She's actually at Jesus' feet. She is um, grieving a little differently. Like, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Keep going. Um, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He groans when we cry, ladies. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, Jesus wept. By the way, why did Jesus weep? Did Jesus weep because Lazarus is dead? No, he happens to know that he's about to heal the man and bring him up from the dead. He's weeping because he sees this grieving woman and her friends. Oh, I don't know, ladies, but I need to know that that the Lord watches when I grieve. I need to know that, and we know that right here. Um, well, moving down, um, let's see. Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And he said, take away the stone. Now, here's something almost funny. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to Jesus, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Do you realize Martha almost stopped a miracle? You know why? Because she's a planner. She's a thinker. And the first thing that occurred to her when they marched over to the tomb is, wait, he's been dead four days. It's going to smell in there. So, see, Martha is still... Always thinking, always thinking. Um, Jesus stops her, though, and he said, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? 
Well, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And um, Jesus eventually says to him, Lazarus, come forth. And as you know, he does. We actually don't see anything else out of Martha in this section. I guess that hushed her up. But verse 45 tells us, Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen these things Jesus did believed in him. That means Mary, even in all her frailty, I think it means she was a witness for Christ. She was a witness for Jesus. People came to him, really, kind of because of her. So that's beautiful. Um, Now, as rich as all this is, there's more. So um, John 12 tells us the rest of the story and what happens as a result of this miracle. I mean, this man's been raised from the dead. Um, So if you were to go to John 12, it says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who'd been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served. Did you catch that? I don't think Martha's learned a thing. She's still serving. (laughs) Anyway, I just think that's funny. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. One of the disciples um, who would betray him said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. But Jesus said, let her alone, referring to Mary. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Jesus immediately defended Mary's act of worship as extravagant as it was, as much as she had not maybe considered the cost of that spike nard. It was expensive. That could have been a year's wages at that time. And you know what's beautiful about the Gospels is that we have four writers who gave us four different perspectives. And so I have a wee bit more to share with you. If you turn to Mark chapter 14, 3 through 9, Mark tells us the same story of Mary. He doesn't give her name, but he clearly describes the scenario. But I have to point out one of the most, uh, the best, best parts of it. So turn to Mark 14. And just jumping down to when Jesus is going to rebuke um, Judas Iscariot for him fussing at at, uh, Mary, here's what Jesus said, verse 6. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not always have. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. This is a foreshadowing. And then here's the verse that just gives me chills. Verse 9, Assuredly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. A memorial? That means of all the things that Jesus thought that might be remembered besides the gospel, he thought that the faith of Mary, the earnest, broken-hearted woman that she was, who just worshipped him for the grace he gave her, he thought that that would be remembered forever with the gospel. So I hope that that inspires you. It does me. It really does me. So, okay, thank you for sitting through that rather lengthy Bible portion. But, again, without that as our foundation, it would be hard for me to take the rabbit trails I'd like to take now because I'm going to certainly interject a lot of how I would see Mary and Martha if they were in our world today and if they were homeschooling. So let's first just look at them in our world today. Here's what I think they'd look like. 
we'll start with Martha. Martha is a pretty well-put-together woman. She's task-oriented, maybe a soccer mom. She's very likely to be the chairman of multiple committees. And the reason is very simple. Martha is naturally a planner. She is methodical. She thinks in concrete terms, in a sequential manner. Now, friends and family may label her a control freak, and she's not the most flexible person. And I say that because she's probably going to put a task above her feelings. And she will believe this is the higher calling. She really thought serving at the table was higher, a higher calling than being at Jesus' feet. So Martha, again, she's a servant to a fault, at least according to Jesus, who just found her a little too busy to give him attention. All to say Martha is a thinker more than she's a feeler. Those are some key words. I will say, however, that if we had Martha here today, I also think we'd find her a very well-educated woman. Because remember, Jesus trusted her with that deep theology. He's the one that told her, you know, I am the way, the truth, I am the resurrection and the life. So Martha's smart. Jesus knew he could trust her. Well, back to modern-day life. So I see Martha as pretty efficient, capable, thrifty. That means her cell phone's always charged and by her side. She might be an extreme couponer. We talked about that earlier at the Facebook party. And her to-do list is on an iPad. I think on a personality test that Martha would test out clearly as choleric, meaning that she's strong and in charge like a lion. Or she might be phlegmatic, which means she's steady, reliable, very fastidious with details. She has uh, probably been really successful with Weight Watchers because she can measure it with a point system. Or maybe she's the lady who can follow that 21 meals in the freezer in two days approach to life because she's a planner and she follows directions. Now, Mary. Oh, Mary. Well, let's see. She's a highly relational woman, and I think she's naturally unprepared for just about everything in life because she thinks in abstract terms and in a random manner. That means that nothing is concrete to her and nothing is done in like an order. Her friends and family would label her flighty, because she is sometimes, or they might see her as a flower child of the 70s because it just fits. And I would say that because Mary is going to put her feelings above her tasks, and she will believe that's the higher calling, or at least it just happens by default. So she is passionate to a fault, according to Martha, but not to Jesus, who commended Mary for living in the moment, you know, because she did when she was with him. And she was unconcerned with the cost of that perfume that she spilled on his feet and head. All to say Mary is so much more of a feeler than she is a thinker. So Mary, again, in modern day life, I think that a lot of drama follows her around because she's a feeler. She runs late because she's not a planner. She has overdue books for the library. They're sitting in a laundry basket in the back of the car. Now, true story, I owe the library so much money through my homeschooling years that I just decided to write it off um, and call it a handling fee. I decided the library just deserved that money from me. I mean, I was borrowing their books all the time. So, anyway, truthfully, Mary is not the most responsible woman because her feelings get in the way of tasks. So... I would say she's going to be a flunky at Weight Watchers. I know I was because she cannot track those points, and she would do much better with a Whole Foods approach, you know, where she can just live in the kitchen and be creative because Mary does not follow recipes, doesn't need them. And on a personality test, I'd say Mary would probably be a sanguine. That's the happy-go-lucky otter. Um, or she may have a melancholy soul, which is um, symbolic of a 
loyal golden retriever who just loves too much. Now, since Mary is led by feelings above all, that means her cell phone is dead at the bottom of her purse, along with some trash and those half-eaten granola bars that I mentioned earlier. And, you know, the reason for the granola bars is because she didn't plan for lunch in the middle of those errands. And, you know, she might also be a hoarder because she can't depart with sentimental things. By the way, I just have to ask, and I know y'all can't answer me directly, but if you ever watch back-to-back episodes on TLC of The Extreme Couponer and The Hoarder, those shows absolutely fascinate me. And obviously Martha's the one who can save $200 on her grocery bill, and Mary's the one who just doesn't want to throw away the baby teeth of her children. Raise your hand, if it's humanly possible, if you have the baby teeth of your children saved somewhere. I do. They're in a little box in my jewelry box, which, by the way, the longer you have them, the worse shape they're in. If I open them today, they're nearly crumbled. My children are adults. Anyway, um, in closing this description of Mary, let me direct you to something that might be a new thought toward her, maybe a new perspective on her. I personally think that Mary was at the feet of Jesus, not because she was so holy. No, 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 on the contrary. I think she was at his feet because she is such a sinner. Her big heart, the one that struggles with boundaries, the one that finds it difficult to do the right thing, I imagine it's led her down a path of sin. You name it, she's probably wandered there and back. So I think that Mary is worshiping Jesus out of pure gratefulness for grace and salvation. She needs it. At least that's very true of me. Now, Martha, I think Martha simply struggles to find that deep sense of worship every now and then just because she has played by the rules. And it's only because of her love and devotion to Christ. She's maybe not as tempted to commit such grievous sins as Mary does. That would go against her nature. You know, you've got to love Martha for that. As a matter of fact, I do love the Marthas in my life, so let me tell you a little bit about them. My story wouldn't be complete without this picture. My mother is a rock-solid Martha with an immaculate home and a well-stocked pantry. Okay, you picture that? My firstborn is a Martha. That means she made her own lesson plans in about fifth grade because I failed. And then I married a Martha in male form. And he's the guy that runs a pretty tight ship around here with our finances, and he budgets us to the penny. So if you can get this, people, this means I am surrounded by very capable, efficient individuals who I cannot begin to measure up to. Going back to my mother for just a second, you know, she's a wonderful person who I really ought not to compare myself to. Oh, as a devout Martha, that meant that she would put tasks over relationships. Um, And that meant that all our meals were on time. She made our beds. Honestly, I'm ashamed of that, but she probably made my bed till I was in high school. And she cleaned the house by herself because she wanted it done um, a certain way. She was a perfectionist. So truly, I was cared for and loved by what my mom did for me and our family. She never grumbled about it. She enjoyed doing for the people that she loved. Can you see that? But as a pure Mary, oh, I just have to confess, I don't have a servant mentality at all. It hardly exists. You know, I can barely take care of myself, much less other people. I hardly, if ever, made my children's beds because mine is only made half the time, and that's when he does it. So just in contrast, I don't love people by what I do for them. I love people by how I spend time with them. 
So I teach, I pray, I invest, I write. Those are things of a Mary. Instead of crap, it's <laughs> sorry, let me re- say that again. Instead of scrapbooking, which is very much a Martha thing, you know, I kept written journals for my kids, which are a collection of love letters for me that I started writing while they were still in the womb. So um, if it's not obvious, I was a softy mom, and that actually made parenting rather hard. Now let's move forward and try to imagine Mary and Martha more literally in the world of homeschool, which I think is very Martha-oriented. So let's start with her. I imagine Martha would have pretty flawless lesson plans and very organized field trips, and I think her children would probably all play musical instruments because it requires dedication and hard work. They might also be in speech and debate because of all the discipline required for that. Martha has maybe chosen the classical approach to education because, come on, we all know it's the most difficult. (laughs) She thrives on the planning that's needed to accomplish it. In fact, she might have an eight-year plan already in place to get that last one through. And she perhaps is the lady who will sell her old curriculum to pay for the new And she is the kind of woman you truly want to run your homeschool co-op because she'll do a darn good job at it. Now, Mary, oh, Mary, she is much more likely to be an unschooler or say that she's eclectic. Eclectic just means that she goes with her favorite curriculum or her favorite author subject by subject, paying no attention to the cost. Let's hope her um, there's a budget for it. She really is a curriculum junkie because she is led by her feelings. Um, I hope some of you are nodding there and smiling, and I hope that um, you find me as an author. (laughs) Well, Mary will never sell her old curriculum to pay for the new curriculum because it's too tedious to enter all those ISBN numbers. It's just never going to happen, so she just stacks it. It's in lots of boxes. And in the homeschool classroom, which once in a while is her unmade bed, You know, she is that mom, homeschool mom, who would spend too much time reading Charlotte's Web out loud to the children with tissue in hand. And she does not spend enough time planning for the next day. She always forgets to pull the meat out the night before, especially if it's a roast. So when Honey comes home, it's like, when's dinner? Oh, nine, because, you know, the roast didn't get started early enough. And the family struggles to find their clean clothes, which do exist, but they're just in baskets. It didn't make it from the laundry room to the bedrooms. And, you know, Mary, she really did mean to get that all done because she loves her family, but her best friend called, and she was in a crisis and needed an hour and a half of Mary's homeschool day. And then the seven-year-old had a meltdown, and that took another hour to deal with because Mary is tender-hearted. And so I'm sure you can picture this. Half the lunch dishes are now stacked in the sink, and the other half are in the living room where the kids migrated to play video games because Mary's on the phone She really is not the woman you want to run the homeschool co-op. You really don't want her to run anything. But you do want her to counsel the new people because she'll spend hours with them and she cares greatly. And one little thing um, for all my Marthas out there, please don't hand Mary a list of to-dos to try to help her out because it won't help her. For one, she might lose the list. But um, what you really need to give her to motivate her is a hug and tell her that you appreciate her heart, she thrives on that. And actually, out of love, she'll eventually do what she needs to do because she does want to keep your love. That means a lot to her, too. So, side note. Well, also, I'm wondering how many of you are familiar with the five love languages. 
Um, I love the study of the five love languages. If you're not familiar with them, I think it's the author, um, somebody, Gary, Gary Smalley. He says that we show love and give love and like to receive love one of five ways, and those are through, or that is through words, touch, gifts, acts of service, and quality time. Well, you know, I don't think there's any exact science to this, but if there were, I would suspect that Martha's be very good at acts of service and good at gift giving because those require some forethought and planning as well as tape and wrapping paper, which Mary never has. And I suspect that Mary would be very good at words and at quality time. And it's just because those are spontaneous gestures of love that do not require scissors or a pen that works. Okay, you got it? So, by the way, the love language of touch I think can go either way. It's rather spontaneous as well. So, okay, well, I promised that I would try to get to some practical tips. So now that I've got all this philosophical part behind us and maybe painted you a true picture of how I, well, actually of what we really see of Mary Martha in the Word as well as how I think they'd be in real life today and how I think they'd look as homeschool moms, I want to now give Mary some tips on what to do around her house what to do in the classroom, and what to do at the feet of Jesus. So those are the three things we will end on tonight, starting with around the home. Well, I have had 31 years of marriage and homemaking to kind of get better at being organized and efficient. I have read dozens of books on the subject, along with dozens of books on parenting, along with dozens of books on marriage, and dozens of books on following Christ. Okay, Mary gravitates toward a lot of self-help books. Now, the only problem is that they're pretty marked up, and the only bookmark she has is usually a napkin, an envelope, or a tissue. But anyway, she's in these books because um, she's usually desperate, needs a lot. But here are my personal household tips I've gotten from all of it. Number 1A, get dressed as early in the day as humanly possible, except on Saturdays. Um, This means as soon as you wake up, at least slip on yoga pants. That might only be a step up from flannel, pajamas, and a robe, but be in clothes so that if somebody knocks at the door, you're dressed. That also means you need to put on certain undergarments to hold in the girls, right? Just do it. 1B, thaw the meat. Just think about it. Think about what's for dinner and pull it out. Trust me on that one. All right, number two, I highly recommend that all Marys play hymns throughout your home and in your car. You know why? Because the heart of a Mary is easily drained, and I think that praise music truly helps to nourish the bottomless soul. And if you are reading something, have, you know, the non-word version of the hymn playing. But if you're not reading, have those words piping through your home with such rich doctrine in them. They're good for all of us. Number three, Mary, you need to delegate a lot of your chores you're relational, you can't get it all done, and use that weakness actually to your advantage and recruit help. That means tell your children for the 100th time that you're not real good at this and you draft them to help you um, with your chores. And that means that if you have some little Marthas who you're raising, you give them a list, if you can make a list. <laughs> but if you have some little Marys, uh, just give them your patience and only give them one verbal chore at a time with approval after they've done that thing because the little Marys aren't going to do well with the list. And as for boys, well, they don't seem to really know the difference. Just give them the toilets to clean. That was our policy at my house. Little boys get them the most dirty so they can learn to clean them. All right, number four, and this is all serious, 
Um, I found as a married that weekly chores would work for me where daily chores would not. And here's why. A daily routine saps me of life. It would stifle me. It is just nearly impossible for me to do the same thing every day, okay? So I'm not the gal that could, like, do this at 8, this at 9, this at 10. That just doesn't work for me. But I did find that weekly I could kind of do the same things because if it's a week apart, I'll survive. So here's what I mean. Once school is done, which you should carve out time for in your morning, then set aside your afternoons to look something like this. This is how I set up my week. Every Monday afternoon I did paperwork, bills, calls. I kept myself at home. Okay, on Tuesdays, I would um, always, always go to the grocery store. I mean, if it's snowing, raining, or a typhoon, I was at the grocery every Tuesday, never again, just that one day a week. And while I was out, I would try to run a couple of extra errands, all right? Wednesdays, that was always the day I'd stay home again, and I would do things that were near the kitchen, like I'd do laundry. I would make that my extended day in the kitchen, like if that was baking or just some type of meal prep. So that would be Wednesdays because, you know, I had just been to the grocery store Tuesday, so I had meat I could divide or whatever. Thursday was always my project day. That's when I would do something that was not homeschool or not, um, I don't know, a project day for a church project. Maybe a wallpaper, paint, deep organization, anything. But Thursday was that day. So if, you know, I'm thinking about it on Monday or Tuesday, I'm saying no, but I know Thursday's coming and I can have that day. Then on Friday, um, we always cut school short on Fridays, and that would be our cleaning day. And that's, again, I recruited my children. We put on fun music like oldies, and we got to town on that, and we clean our house. That way it was clean for the weekend. And um, I really am glad I did that with my children. They all know how to take care of a home. So that was my week. You know, take it or leave it. Maybe that will work for you. Number five, and I'm still looking for things around the home to help out a Mary. So stay with me here. Number five, I would try to learn to practice the rule of threes. I don't know what it is. Three is just this magic number, but here's what I mean. First, um, have three files in your house for all important papers. Follow me. Have a little bitty file for little bitty papers, like cards, business cards, dentist appointments, things like that that are on little cards. I have a coupon organizer that has all these little cards. Now, it might be a disaster inside, but that's where all my little pieces of paper are. And then I have a medium file that sits out on a desk for date-sensitive items like invitations, um, bills, things like that. So a medium file. And then I have a bigger file for bigger papers. Um, And that's it. There's no papers in my drawers. I have these all out in these, like, boxes. Um, The reason is that I just know that if I don't have everything in one of three locations, I'm just going to be into trouble. So it's simple. I have three places for three different shapes of paper. And as a side note, you know what you're not going to put in that box that might be on the floor of big things or what you're not going to put in that medium file? You're not going to put coupons in there, okay? I hereby give all Marys of this world permission to throw away all coupons, to throw away all those Kroger flyers, the things that come that bombard you and taunt you to cut out paper, I give you permission not to do it. Those are tasks for a Martha to do, and she does them well. We'll come back to that later. Now, on the, back to the rule of threes, I also try to only have three places to write myself notes. First, on Post-its. Post-its are Mary's best friend. 
Um, they're everywhere. They're all over my house. There's one on the back door that says, Linda, your phone. There's one that I hang often on the kitchen sink that tells me to make a phone call. I have right now one, two, three, four, five, five sitting on my computer. Okay, so Post-its. Second, um, I have a wall calendar, but I don't hang it on the wall. Because if you hang a wall calendar on the wall, it's really hard to write on. So my wall calendar sits flat on my desk, so I can scribble all over it. And then three, I don't like to make lists. Mary don't do lists well. But every now and then, I really do need one. And so if I do, I have this special spiral notebook. Sometimes I put it on the clipboard so that I just can't lose it. And it also sits on my desk. And after I do a to-do list, and whenever, it, whenever it's eventually done, I throw the thing, the paper away. And then there actually is a very fourth secret place. Breaks my number sequence here. But I have a secret fourth place for notes. And I haven't met a Martha yet that uses this, but I know a lot of Marys that do. And this secret place is the back of my hand. Yeah, I am known to have a lot of notes right on my hand, you know, that little place right near your thumb where you're destined to see it. And I use a Sharpie, Mm -hmm. and I put notes right there. So anyway, ask your Mary and Martha friends who writes notes on their hands and see if my rules don't apply. Okay. Um, back to our threes, I tried to not ever leave my house, especially in my homeschooling days, unless I had three errands to run, just to be more efficient with my time. It also, it kind of makes you think and create second and third reasons to leave the house, in case you have one reason you do have to leave the house. I mean, come on, ladies, you do have to think ahead sometimes, and that means, wow, I'm going to the grocery store anyway, so while I'm out, I will do one of these things, like get gas, surprise the husband, maybe go to the bank, drop off those books to the library that you owe a ton of money on, or maybe get rid of those bags to Goodwill, because I know you've got them. They're piling up, and you're going to feel really good about yourself. So um, streamline your errands. Run them all on that one day that you get out. And then let's see. I have just a little bit more on these threes. As for menu planning, um, I actually sort of menu plan, but many a week goes by where it just looks like this. I enter the grocery store. And all I do is try to think quickly of three meat dishes. I write them on the back of the envelope in my purse, throw in some vegetables, and then stock up on non-perishables. That's menu planning, as far as I'm concerned. Now, and if you keep that envelope or whatever other scrap of paper you wrote on and eventually repeat those meals, ha, you've really uh, got a little bank, a menu bank, that might um, get you somewhere over time. So write those down when you can. And let's see, remember when I told you you're going to throw away all those coupons that you get bombarded with? Well, here's what I want you to do. Instead of couponing, you're you're at the grocery store or Target or Walmart, and something's on sale at the store, buy three of it. That means buy three of your favorite toiletries, three of your favorite snacks, three of your favorite staples, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, you didn't learn of that sale because you looked at that flyer in the mail because, remember, you threw it away. But you saw the tag on the shelf, and you're smart. So buy three of everything when it's on sale, and then you have sort of, kind of beat the system. Or you saved at least a little bit. Okay, you could sleep at night. Now, um, I hope you all are comfortable in your jammies. I wanted you to know I did put some on just for this occasion, and I actually picked out cute ones still thinking you might be able to see me. But maybe you really can't, but I am in pink pajamas with black polka dots. So there, just wanted you to know. Now let's turn to some more uh, good stuff for Mary. At least I hope it's good stuff for her. Let's talk about the homeschool classroom and what Mary can do to help survive it a little bit. Because remember, homeschooling is hard for Mary. It's kind of a Martha realm. It requires a lot of organization. 
Um, and this might even help a few Marthas. I don't know. I do think that uh, if Martha's listening, she's taking notes, and she's always learning, so maybe there's something in here for her too. Number one, host an in-service day once a month. You know, the schools do it. Why shouldn't we? That means one day a month you set down all written work, you, you put away the school books, and you still call it a day of school, but you're only going to teach home management to your children, which means you're going to make them work, which means they're probably going to wind up in the closets getting rid of the clothes that they've outgrown. Not that I know what's that like because I rarely outgrew my clothes. I'm very short. But my children did. They were normal-sized, and so, you know, we always had stuff piling up. So hosting in service day, do a house project. Maybe you can decorate for Christmas or Thanksgiving, like I said, or just clean through some drawers. I have to tell a funny story. My kids actually reached a point where they hated in-service day. They would rather have done algebra than work with me on their bedrooms. But, hmm, you know, they needed to learn to work. Number two, here's a good idea for a Mary, and that is to hang a lunch menu on the refrigerator that's written in Sharpie. Do you follow me? Um, I found that um, large families have this figured out because, you know, large families, the kids are happy to just get food. You know, they know that it's slim pickings and they're happy that food exists for them. But on smaller families, like I only had three kids, I think there's a lot of um, huffing and puffing over food. And, you know, they think mom's a short order cook. And Mary tends to be led by her feelings. Um, So I'm just thinking um, if you have a lunch menu posted, it stops some of that quibbling. Number three, um, this may be an obvious one, but Mary, please do not pick up your phone or try to run errands during school. You can't multitask. And, yes, I was guilty of this. I did sometimes let my friends creep in on my homeschool time, but I shouldn't have. Number four, I highly recommend um, that homeschool mothers would, or fathers, would cut off their students by a certain time of day and say, for example, by two, you know, if you've invested your morning into the children, I'd say by two, you're done. Now, they may need to keep working if they've been slouchers or they've been dawdling, but you're done by two because, for one, you have a lot of other responsibilities. You need to regroup. Um, I know when they were younger, we probably only homeschooled from, say, 9 to 12, but as they got older and had more subjects, we homeschooled pretty faithfully from 9 to 2. I know that sounds crazy that even as a Mary I had that time carved out, but I knew I had to. We were dedicated workers. I did want my children well-educated. Number five on my list, please limit your co-ops and clubs. (laughs) Say no unless they um, really can help serve you or your family. You know, we are a society that is um, really inundated with rugged individualism, and it's very tempting to go with everyone's giftedness and really build it up. But sometimes that's a detriment to family, so be careful of it. Say no. Um, Homeschooling does work best at home. (laughs) If you hadn't figured that out yet. Let's see, number six on my list. When you do lesson plans, if you do, which that's a whole, I got a whole workshop on lesson planning because I really didn't do it for many, many years. But as I saw my children needed them, I drifted that way. But I would say if you do them, only plan a quarter at a time. If you try to go for a whole year, the chances are you're going to scratch a subject or two or need to make adjustments. So it's a complete waste of your time. So don't lesson plan more than a quarter at a time. And I think if you try to lesson plan weekly, uh, if you're a Mary and think you're going to lesson plan weekly, you're probably going to be discouraged because it probably isn't going to (laughs) happen. I don't know. Something will always get in the way. So you probably better just crunch it out one day, take yourself away, um, and plan a whole quarter and have it done. 
But when you do do those lesson plans, I advise that you don't put dates on the columns of the little plan that you're filling out. Keep them undated. That's a beautiful thing. In fact, y'all are all getting a, a door prize tonight of a whole workshop I do on an undated lesson planner. Oh, it's marvelous. It'll free you up. It's good for everyone. Let's say I have a note here. I'm on number eight already, and I say um, I would recommend that you grade while they work to stay on top of that endless task. Don't be afraid to use grades, tools when possible. I think we'd all agree that grades don't always measure what students know, but they are tools. They do. There's leverage in tools and teaching them to work hard. Number nine, schedule focus time with your students for their harder subjects. That means um, work in blocks of time if you can because Mary doesn't multitask well. So focus on one kid at a time if they're older. Um, redirect them, report them when they don't behave. Like sometimes Mary has to step out of the power struggle because she's softy. And uh, send them to the principal, which could be their dad or uh, an uncle or a mean aunt. Um, number 11, don't have rules unless you need rules and make them as you go. Number 12, be willing to assign naps, especially for Mary moms, because they're drained even more quickly than Martha's. Number 14, have a prayer partner for when you do run into crisis situations. We all have them. Mary needs a prayer partner. And I'm on my last section, which I think I need to be wrapping it up. So let me um, breathe a little. And um, now that we've heard all these little tips, which, again, you have my permission to use them or not use them, just if they'll help. But let's talk about Mary at the foot of the cross. You know what's beautiful about this section is that I do not need to tell Mary how to stay at the foot of the cross. This is where she goes on her own, and she goes often because she desperately needs the love, the grace, and the forgiveness of Christ. But I will share a few things that I've observed about myself to help me manage my spiritual life, which, by the way, I just wanted to share that today, which is October 13th, this is my spiritual birthday. I was saved 37 years ago today. I was 17 years old. So if you want to do the math, that means I'm 54. Shh, just don't tell anybody. A little inside, insider. Of course, I'm being recorded, so I guess it's not that inside. Um, anyway, here's what I've learned to do with my spiritual life. And number one, I've created a portable quiet time bag. And you know why? Because Mary needs a lot of scenery. She needs to be able to walk to the park with her Bible or out the back door or in a quiet room in the house. So I've always had a quiet time bag that could go with me somewhere. And that's where I keep Bibles, several translations, journals, pens, and always have tissue because Mary cries a lot. Number two, I don't recommend that Mary ever try to follow dated scheduled readings. Oh, those are such a painful thing for a Mary. You can't schedule her heart and when she's going to be responding to God's word. She can trust it. She can trust her heart. And she might be better off, say, choosing a theme to study for a year or maybe a theme for a quarter or just one verse to focus on um, for a long period of time. So scheduled readings, mm, that whole read through the Bible in a year, that's not really for Mary. Um, I have down here, and I've mentioned this before, but uh, Mary should really keep accountability in her life. She needs it because of her runaway heart. I know I need it. Um, number five, I say when it comes to discipleship, 
pray for divine appointment if you're a Mary rather than maybe scheduled meetings with someone you're seeking to disciple because it just seems like with my life it rarely allowed me that luxury of formal discipleship. You know, I love it. I was in ministry for years. But I, as a homeschool mom, I knew I needed to choose to disciple my kids first and women second, depending on the season of my life. As a matter of fact, now that my kids are grown, you know, I have recently started meeting a gal once a week for discipleship, and I've discovered she's every bit of Mary as I am. I didn't even know it ahead of time, and so we've had a great time supporting each other in what I would call our flailing Christian walks. Number six, when all else fails, Mary, and I don't know what's going on in your life, but just stay at the feet of Jesus where you're safe. And keep wiping his feet with your hair and with your tears. I know they're there. And remember this, that uh, Mary did not consider the cost of the perfume that she put on his feet. She set aside all practicality and reason. And she thought of the future um, only to be in the moment. I mean, she set aside thoughts of the future to be in the moment. And Jesus loved her for that. And don't forget this. Jesus said, wherever the gospel would be preached, that her devotion would be remembered. I don't even get that, but I just think it's powerful. I think it means that Jesus gets me. He didn't make me by mistake. He cares about my tender heart, my fragile side, and how easily I'm broken. And he loves me just like he loves Martha. And um, it's a beautiful thing. So that's uh, a word I have for Mary. And in closing, if you are a Mary, then please just stay a Mary. You can't change if you wanted to, although some of it gets older as you age. I'm learning. It's just me and my husband, so there's less of us to take care of. I do do a better job now in my 50s. But um, for whatever reason God's given you a Mary heart, use it. Use it to love on this hurting world. It needs you. You're good at it, and so just do it and do it well. I don't think God wastes that uh, gushy heart that he gives the Mary, the one that doesn't have it all together and who just can't get those tasks done because she's just so full of feelings. I think he actually looks for those hearts and treasures. It. And, you know, some of you may be sitting there worrying <laughs> to yourselves. You're like, wait a minute, isn't this the lady who wrote the mystery of history? I know some of you are worried about that. And you have every right to worry um, after I've just described myself. But But please look at it this way. If you know my history lessons and have read my books, then what you really know is that my heart bleeds on every page I wrote. Um, I firmly believed God used my merry heart despite all my faults. Um, You know, also, he didn't give me a vision to write the mystery of history until I was 40. Um, It took me that many years to be made ready for the task, because it is actually a task, but it's a task that's been... um, driven by my heart. So I hope that that encourages some of you who are still much younger than I am. In closing, 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 um, if you enjoyed this presentation or if it helped you in any way, please message me sometime on Facebook. You can find me at Linda LaCour Hobar or The Mystery of History. I have two Facebook pages. Um, Because as a Mary, like most Marys, I need reassurance. I always doubt myself, and I'd love to hear from you. Um, But be careful if you're Mary and you're on Facebook. You know, all the drama that's there can really suck you in and use you up. I know, because I'm on it too much. (laughs) 
But thank you so very much for joining me, Marys and Martha's out there. And Felice, I'm ready for you to sneak back in oh, here. I think I finished was, on time. You did. You did. Thank you so much, Anna. I kept, I kept flopping going, well, I'm some Martha and I am some Mary because, like, I do like to bake and, and give gifts. But I'm not so much the servant's heart, you know. Um, mm. I've learned um, to to help out more, especially when I start talking. It's kind of like, oh, look, everybody else is helping. I guess I better too. So, <laughs> uh, but um, but it was so great. Um, There's a lot of wonderful uh, comments on the Mommy Jammies Night page, and um, good. I can't wait to so see that's them. Wonderful. It will encourage yes. me. <laughs> Yes, it well, you need to go back and and scroll through and and that way you can um you can get all those. But um I do have um some questions here and it was really cute because um when I was reading off at the beginning um where people were from, we had a a bunch of people um come in here and just start telling us where they're from. So we have um so let's see here. Okay, so Shannon is from Indiana, and she said she wasn't able to comment on Facebook, but she was here. And uh, Tammy's here from Longview, and um, she asked if you could just listen on the website, which I think she figured out. Um, and Christy's from Alabama, welcome. And Jennifer from Virginia, and Tabitha from Louisiana. Uh, so um, and Gay is from um, Alaska. So she's Hello, here. That's yeah. my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's some of the uh, questions and comments. One is completely off topic, but I love it, uh, from Deborah, who asks, I'm curious if Linda will write a book that goes into U.S. history with more detail. That would be awesome. Ooh, that's a million-dollar question. Well, I am very open to it, but I'm waiting to hear from the Lord clearly on that one. I've got some revision work to do right now, and I've got a business to run. As you can only imagine, I've greatly neglected my business to get my books written. Um, But I'm open to it, so we'll let you know. (laughs) That's wonderful. Okay, good. And uh, someone who was anonymous posted, she said, I guess I'm a bit of both women, not a, a bad place to be. Uh, to keep some love, fun, and snuggles in school, is it a bad thing to be both? How? Um, and then, and then the next part of it. So let's do the first part. Is it a bad thing to be both? Oh no, I think it's a wonderful thing. I do. I feel like um, that makes you know almost the perfect woman because. There are things to get done in this world, and we have tremendous responsibility on it. So we need some of the Martha in us to get those things done. But if that Martha can just maintain Mary's heart, meaning she'll humble herself before the Lord and and need him, when I don't need Martha to sin as much as Mary, (laughs) because, again, I think Mary is kind of a wreck, but maybe I'm just describing myself. Um, Anyway, I think being both is is beautiful. And interestingly, I was describing my mother earlier, who I said is a rock-solid Martha, but, you know, over time I've watched her grow to be more of a Mary. And she says every time she's around me that I'm more and more of a Martha as I've aged. Um, So, you know, we have seasons that will just look more strongly um, at one or the other different times. I have a daughter who is a Martha. Like I, my office is now in her room and well, her old room, 
and she's the one who's married with the little ones, and she'll come in here and just shake her head because <laughs> she has she has these floor to ceiling shelves in here, you know, her contractor dad put up, and she used to have not only were they alphabetized, but they were um, aesthetically pleasing, you know, somewhere Ooh. on the side. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it looked it looked really pretty. So that's the gifts I get from her is um, when she mm. comes and tells me she's going to help me organize. I'm so happy. So it's really great. Okay. That's beautiful. Can uh, I tell one more quick story that sure, I meant sure. to say in my thing? I yeah. just hope this will make somebody laugh. But back to my mother, who's, again, such a Martha. Here's just a classic thing that she does to me. When I visit her at home, which is in Houston, Texas, I'll go home, and this never fails. Uh, we'll be up late at night visiting, and then before we go to bed, she'll say, hey, do you want to go ahead and make the coffee for tomorrow so that in the morning you just have to push the button? And I tell her every time I visit, no, I am not going to make the coffee the night before because my mantra in life is, why do today what I can get done tomorrow? Where she is the very opposite. She's like, well, why wait for tomorrow? Why wait to do tomorrow what you can do today? So we are at complete different <laughs> ends of the spectrum. I will never make the coffee the night before because, you know what, I might die in the middle of the night, and that would have been a waste of my time. So I'll make it in the morning. <laughs> but she's still at it. She so still funny. suggests it. Yes, that's a true I market. Know. Like that's like that's because she's a thinker she's a planner that's right that's right we need both of them okay so the next part of her question was how do you lose the guilt for not being more like the scheduled and uptight martha which i think is funny she said (laughs) well yeah that's a good question for one um yeah martha might be a little uptight but you know i do not condemn her for that i hope that that was clear tonight um, because uh, clearly this woman has gifts and Jesus loved her. Um, but I, I don't think I have struggled with too much guilt over how I'm made because it's like I'm so unashamedly <laughs> who I am because I, I can't change it very easily. So I have learned some self-acceptance and self-love, and I think it's really come from Jesus. I feel Christ. His, I feel his grace in my life. And sometimes I just look at him, you know, I look up to the heavens and I'll say, like out loud, like, oh, God, I'm such an idiot. Just thank you for loving me. And I don't know, I guess because I do feel loved, um, I, I don't carry that guilt so much. He made me this way. That's kind of why I said, you know, Mary kind of needs to stay a Mary. Now, I'm not saying she doesn't need to get it together sometimes, especially if she's got the responsibility of school. I mean, you know, get it together. Get out of it. But, yeah, it's. I'm not going to lose sleep over how I've been made. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And also a wonderful little post here. It says, um, as someone who's anonymous, and and sometimes they just um, you have to go in and and make an account here. So people, a lot of times, people who are new just come on in, and that's fine. So um, I don't have a name here, so I apologize. But it says, I think this message is so much more impactful. you know, Linda, she said, um, then you you might have imagined. I've been struggling for weeks and weeks to fit myself into a Martha-type life. I feel like I am understood here, and this is going to impact me so much. Um, also, um, yeah, that's so sweet. And also, um, I would really like the life applications. You know, um, just recently uh, I did, you'll he'll, he'll laugh at this. I assign myself podcasts, okay? You know, I podcast on Vintage Homeschool Mom. So this summer, I was, um, you know, making this heroic effort. Yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get really organized. 
And so I asked my daughter, I said, well, can I interview you? That's my big thing. If I'm going to do it on organization, I interview my daughter, right? Because she's the Uh organized one. And she just said, Mom, she goes, I think the Lord wants you to podcast and, and, you know, and so I ended up um, podcasting. The first was Organize Your Home and Homeschool. The second was Organize Your Life. There's a part one and a part two. And then I had back to homeschool list and then household meals and shopping. It was it was like this this joke that the Lord played on me because I didn't look at Of course I'm unmarried. Did I look at how many weeks I could have picked a shorter month? So, but oh, it, it really great. helped. And, and out of all of this, what I – because, you know, when you teach others, you learn, right? Right. And, and others needed to and, hear your perspective of how right, it's not easy well, and natural for you. Right. And that's exactly – you know, definitely didn't come off like, you know, the little books. But what I learned was I can – like pick up and clean in little increments, and then I try to keep it clean because you know and and I don't have a cleaning lady anymore because the kids are older now, but when I was starting out with my business and homeschooling and everything, I was blessed and and we could have one come in well, you know we'd go be frantic, picking up everything, and then all she had to do was vacuum and clean well, the hardest part is picking up and putting away right yeah it is. so mm-hmm. you you know you 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 get all that work done, and then you know she comes in and cleans, and then she'd leave and you know ten minutes later <laughs> things are are in the way again, so as my kids were getting older, Dad said, "You know what everybody's pitching in now." And um, and so we do. We we have you know a day or a couple hours or whatever you know as as time allows. And um, I just learned that you know it's not going to be all perfect in one day. You know, um, mm-hmm. unless our big joke is you know okay we have to clean and the next thing is well who's coming over? <laughs> you know, big right. joke around here. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it, and it, and it's uh, well you have to find what works for you. Like I loved your threes, you know that no rhyme or reason why well three is a biblical number but you yeah, know right. but still you know it's like okay well that works for you you know so mm-hmm. um and that's the thing you know uh, people were saying too that they're going to have to listen to this again so it is available in in uh wrapping up tonight it is available um on iTunes um okay we got one more little statement i'll read here okay. um oh and i so, can i say too to the woman that asked yeah. about you know sometimes the guilt with with being a mary yeah. i would say that i certainly would often ask my family for forgiveness <laughs> i'm not so big that i didn't think i had to so they i asked forgiveness a lot when i would just lose it you know when mom's just had that day where you know you've been the one that just ramrodded everything. You know, you, when you know it was your fault that everything fell apart, I often ask forgiveness from my family. So, yeah, very good. And that. that is, that's wonderful. And then um, a really sweet note here it said from Jessica, um, who's from Stanley, and she said, just want to uh, say that we love Linda and her storytelling ability in our house. We even listen to her Yay. sessions from from convention. Uh, she puts such a light into history and connects some dots, and we all learn so much. So thanks so much, Linda. Oh, thank oh, you. Wonderful, wonderful. And again, you so, hope that I yeah. hope that your your hearers understand better. Maybe even um, you know the heart behind the mystery of history. I think that there are a lot of um, maybe Martha types, you know, A types who probably do produce things like curriculum because they have that giftedness. 
but that's why it's such a almost been an interesting funny thing on God's part, you know, to put this on my heart to do um because it shows that he really is the author of history, you know. So um that's wonderful. Anyway, yes, and I happiness. loved it too. Yep, I loved I loved uh, the books and uh, my daughter's enjoying them now. So um and I didn't know about the audio, so I will let her know that. Uh, so, yes, for those of you listening, themysteryofhistory.com and also The Mystery of History on Facebook, and then there's lots of other um, great links, and they will be on a post, um, you know, as we're recording this, so it will probably give me about 15 minutes, and it will be up on the website, and um, it will be available. So one of the things you guys can do is if you're listening on iTunes, um, and you rate it, that allows the, this um, audio to get in front of other people. So um, many of our shows on the network have ranked on iTunes, and it's always um, – I never pay attention to the numbers. <laughs> Does that surprise <laughs> you, Linda? So, But I do have show hosts that do, um, others on this network that really pay attention to those numbers, and so they're always letting me know. Um, they'll give, send me a screenshot if um, – you know, if my show has been on the on the top ten before, so uh, and that's all the Lord because it's definitely nothing I'm doing. So if you do, guys, that does um, you know, and you, and I forget to tell people, of course, too, to go to iTunes if you're listening that way and mm. and rate it because it does get in front of other people who may not have known um, about um, you know these Christian podcasts and this is a ministry um, for many of us that are doing it. So um, we really appreciate your help. And, Linda, thank you so much for a wonderful session tonight. It has been an absolute blessing not only um, to get to meet you, even if only by phone, um, but also to get to hear your heart and, um, you know, find out that we are kindred spirits, you know, and mm-hmm. one of these days we we will actually meet in person. And I look be. forward yes, to that. We will. Well, let me say to all our listeners, group hug. <laughs> we Thank need a group so hug. So. We did. All righty. Good Thank night. Thank you Bye-bye. and good night. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm so happy you came to Mommy Jammy's night. Please drop my guests a line and let them know how thankful you are that they gave their time And follow up with me on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network Facebook page or via email. God's blessings upon you and your family. Thanks for joining us.